Hello, my name is Federico Toledo and welcome to the Quality Sense podcast, where you will have the chance to improve your sense for quality by listening to some leaders who are amazing at what they do in the software industry. In each show, I'll have a one-on-one -on -one chat with them discussing specific topics related to software testing and quality. This is the second part of the interview with Alan. I really recommend you to check the previous episode. Alan Richardson is a British consultant, better known as Evil Tester, with more than 25 years of experience in testing and development. He offers consultancy and training in agile testing and test automation. Do you ask something special to developers in order to make it easier? to automate and to, to make the test cases, the, the test automations more uh, easy to maintain? Right. So um, very often people talk about testability, right? Which I think is the wrong word, right? Because I think the correct word is automatability. If we want to automate our applications, they need to be automatable, right? Because everything is testable, right? You can give me no instructions, give me in front of it, I will test it. It, is, it has some level of testability, but it's mainly that relationship between me and the application. When we're automating, we want the relationship between the application and the tooling that we're using to automate it. Um, so we do have to put hooks in place if we want it to be... Uh, so we don't have to put hooks in place. It's just that there may be a danger later on for maintaining it. It may take longer to get up and running. It may take longer to do. So it depends what we value. But if we can uh, put IDs on things that are appropriate or use classes to help us identify them, which remain stable, right? because it's really that stability between releases that we're looking for. And if they change, then it's because they've needed to change, which means we've then needed to change the um, structure of the abstraction layers. And But unfortunately, in those circumstances, it really helps if the people who are testing and automating understand the technicalities of what they're working with so that they know what to ask for, right? Because it helps to be really specific. And it also helps if the people who are building the application, programming it, experience some of the pain of automating it so that they can um, predict in advance what will be easier or hard to automate. Because really what we're talking about is how do you architect the application in order to be automatable? Because it is possible to build applications that you can only automate from the outside in because they haven't got APIs in place. Or then if they do put APIs in place, it's possible to double up the testing effort because the GUI doesn't use those APIs. So now you have to test from the GUI into the backend triggering HTTP messages and you have to test the API. Whereas if the GUI used the APIs, you can do a lot of work by testing the APIs and then just do extra work to make sure that the GUI can communicate to those APIs. But we're really, what we're really discussing at that point is architecting the application well to support um, automated execution and to support checking that it works at different technology tiers because we architect it in ways where we can check assertions at a certain point, then the risk um, further up through the tiers is reduced because it's just a message passing activity. Okay, there is another term that I, I read it many times lately uh, that I think it's related to what you just mentioned, which is observability, right? Yep. Because yeah, so I mean, I've, that... I've used that term observability 
or observing for a long time in com in when I'm talking about testing, just interacting with the application, right? I want to be able to observe the application, which means seeing stuff happen in passing so I can see the messages. I then want to be able to interrogate those messages to dive into them in more detail. And I need tooling to do this, right? Because if I'm working on a web application, mostly what we get is the GUI. I have to then use a tooling like the browser dev tools to observe the network traffic, to observe the DOM changes underneath, to observe how the CSS is changing, um, and then to interrogate after the fact. And observability, I think, is um, adding tooling to hook into the application at different points to gather data that we're not necessarily sure quite how we're going to use, but we've architected it to open it as much as possible. And there's always the risk that we open it too far and then you've got security issues. But there's always that balance between supporting people doing the work and supporting people who actually want to be malicious in your application. There is a, another a different topic, maybe, but it's also important in this goal of contributing to the test strategy or the quality strategy with the automation, which is how to show the value of what we are doing. Let's say to managers or to product owners or to some other people that want to understand what is happening and how the investment on the automation is paying off, right? So one of the things I try to do is avoid the obvious things that we're asked for, right? Because very often people want numbers or they want graphs. And very often they want those simply because they've had them before and they really don't understand what you're doing. But if they get those, they feel comfortable. Um, and what we're really trying to do is we're trying to create a custom process and communication flow for the environment we're in. And when you talk about value, value is a very unique thing to that individual, right? So we have to ask them what it is that they value and it's a sales process. So the way that I learn how to do this is not from IT books, it's from um, psychotherapy books and it's from uh, sales books. So I, I spend a lot of time using sales, right? No one else can see, you can see this, but behind me is a bookcase and that's pretty much sales books down the bottom. Sales and marketing books down here, cybernetics books and systems books at the top, but the rest of it is pretty much um, sales. Uh, sales and marketing, because that's what we're doing. When we're talking about value, what we're trying to do is we're trying to sell what we're doing to someone else so that they continue to fund it, they continue to buy it, And what means that we have to figure out what it is that they see benefit in, because you always present value in terms of benefits. It's not features. Bug counts are features. Benefits are we have found all these problems before they have gone live. And then if you really want to maximize the value in that, you try and explain how big they are and how big a problem it would have been if someone else had found it after it was live. And when you're talking in terms of benefits, it has to be the language of the person that is hearing it different people will hear it in different ways, right? Because some people will hear the security value. Other people won't care about that because they don't realize that that's an issue. But if it's a lost sale, then it's an issue for them. So it's phrasing it in the right ways. But I generally try to avoid numbers. Numbers and metrics are important when you are trying to change something and you can objectively define what that means, right? If you can say, right, we want to get faster at releasing, then you can measure objectively your release process and use that as a, a measure to see whether you the actions that you're taking are actually improving. 
But at a certain point, you drop that measure and metric because it's no longer of use to you because you've achieved what you want. If it's easy to track, then you might add it into your process automatically to alert you if you start slipping. But I generally try to avoid uh, metrics on that basis because we rely on them and they're just meaningless. I think it's more important to provide qualitative information than quantitative that you can misunderstood, misunderstand. Sorry. So it's certainly possible to read into numbers a lot and for people to interpret them in ways that you don't expect, uh, which is why you have to kind of, I mean, a lot of people talk about that storytelling um, no, nature of, of communication, that you have to tell the story around it. And because that's because they're coming at it from a different perspective. Whereas I, I'll, I'll look at it in terms of the sales and benefits and the values because that's what I study. But a lot of people study other things, so they'll use different language to explain that. I'd like to make a short pause to thank Abstracta for sponsoring this podcast. Abstracta is a company fully dedicated to software testing that can work with you to push the quality of your product and processes to the next level. Something that I really like about what you what you say that it's evident that even being a programmer focused on test automation or, or in automating different parts of the process, there are many other skills that are really important related to communication, to sell the value you are providing. Many, yeah, there's a huge amount yeah. of skills. And there's skills that people don't develop, like the ability to install fear in people is a really important skill um, as part of that bug advocacy process. Because a lot of people try and explain how bad it's going to be, but you have to, if you can sell fear in there, then people will help you because that's something that we actively avoid. There's lots of different techniques and approaches, which is why I study as much as humanly possible about um, communication. I can do it in very subtle ways. You can, I mean, if people are um, telling you that something will not happen, you can be, that's great. I'm so glad you're sure about that. You can be like kind of positive and they will interpret that in however they want. Why am I? I'm not the one that has to be sure. It's supposed to be you that's supposed to be sure. If I'm sure, then I've got the blame. Okay, we need to really deal with this now. Right, so there's a whole bunch of subtleties around there in terms of how we communicate. I have uh, some final questions for you. One is, how did you end up working in software testing or even you provide a lot of trainings related to Selenium and, and test automation. So how, how did you learn about that? <laughs> so, so I got into software testing because I was a programmer and I was working on um, our Jackson Structured Programming Diagramming Tool, and I was writing a COBOL interpreter for it. It's all very technical stuff. Then that company went bankrupt. So then I got a job at another company writing uh, test tools for them. Then they went bankrupt. So, but because I was just been doing testing, then I moved into a test consultancy, and I was helping them build tooling to support them. But because it's a consultancy, they put you out on site. So I had to learn testing as part of that. And anytime I'm learning something, I learn it. So I read as much as humanly possible. I got as good as I possibly could with there. And because it's consultancy, you have to learn communication at the same time. So I'm having to pull in a whole bunch of different things in, into this. Uh, so when it also came to training, part of the reason I was writing books is because I, I was in a, a management level at that point and I'm trying to recruit people. 
And I did not think that the people I was trying to recruit evidenced the knowledge that I expected as a basic level. So I, I wrote it down. I wrote down, these are the, the basic things, to, just so there would be no excuse. I went through a period of time going, right, we should have no excuses for not knowing this. So I tried to put out as much information as possible to give people no excuses. And if they didn't know it, then I could upsell them onto my book during the interview process, and then maybe they can come back later on. But also it's a way of knowing that you're going to have to train your, sca- your staff. When you're interviewing someone, you see what gaps they have, and you have to be prepared to take in all the things that they can currently offer you and bridge the gap to help them get to where they want. And if you don't have the skills and training in them, and you're not prepared to invest that time in building them up, you're really limiting the the people that you can hire. And you may not be bringing in the flexibility that you want in that environment because you're recruiting for a single skill set, whereas what we want, testing in particular, requires a massive amount of skills. And we have to interact with so many different people. And if we don't have the range of people and skills on our team or in our department, we are going to fall down because we're going to rely on one person and they're not going to be there at that crucial moment. So it was about bridging gaps between where people were and where I needed people to get to. And it's a really true motivation, at least for me, to see people grow, to to help people grow. So Yeah, because you want people to fulfill their potential. Right, because people have underestimate what they are capable of and they think they can't achieve things because they've got these biases and beliefs in their head. But if you can just push them forward and then they just get rolling with it and they surprised you then because you did not know about all these other things that they have that they bring into play at that point. All the knowledge that they have from these disciplines that they've studied that you have no idea about that they suddenly can relate to what they're doing, just boosts them even further. That's why I think the individual is really, really key and really important. And something related to that about how to help people to grow as a tester. Uh, do you have any books recommendation uh, for them? Um, so, so read all my books, so that's, that's a given. But uh, so the, the, for me, a lot of the things that I have really relied on have not been related to testing and programming, right? That's the easy stuff. Um, So when I was taking uh, consultancy and testing really seriously, I knew that I needed to understand how people communicate. And uh, so there's a good book. It's called The Structure of Magic by Richard Bandler and John Grinder. It's a two-volume book. And what they did is is they looked at um, psychotherapists who were really effective and who were getting work done really fast, who were changing people really quickly. And they tried to identify what is the key to this? What do all these people do in common? What language patterns do they use? What questions do they ask? How do they know to ask those questions? Right? And that essentially is what psychotherapy, in particular brief therapy is, where you can make change with someone, not after a year of therapy, but in a couple of sessions. And you do that through questioning. And as testers, we ask questions. As consultants, we ask questions. As programmers, we're trying to build a model and ask questions as to how can we best fit in, what will go wrong. I just found all those skills related. So um, I, I recommend The Structure of Magic. It has some technical information on linguistics and how language works, but it's really about how do we think about things and how do we... Uh, understand other people's models of the world 
and what questions do we ask in order to help them change? Interesting. I, I, I want to read it right now, <laughs> right away. <laughs> Is there uh, something you would like to invite uh, the listeners to, to do, like uh, uh, checking your YouTube channel, your podcast, or maybe... Um, yeah, so we've got, so I've got a YouTube channel, there's podcasts, there's books, and you can find it all at eviltester.com. That's the easiest place, right? Everything in one place. But there's books, podcasts, videos, um, blog posts. I, I don't know. There's just, there's too much stuff. And then you'll find links there to Patreon um, where I blog on a daily basis. I mean, I stick out blog posts every week or every couple of weeks, YouTube videos every week, couple of weeks. But I, I, what I really want to try and do is um, focus people's attention on um, building their own models and owning their progress. So on Patreon, I create a blog post every day to try and trigger people into thinking, what did I learn today? And to think about their approach to, to work, what didn't go well, what were they going to change, what are they going to fix? Um, which a lot of the time is I encourage people on a daily basis to write down what they do. Right? At the start of every day, write down what you're going to do. As you go through the day, write down what you're doing, the links you encounter, the thoughts that you have, put timestamps in at the end of the day, summarize it into lessons learned. Um, because that will also, that helps you with your time management, your planning, but also helps you with your exploratory testing because we have to learn how to make notes. I make a daily note every day. I just have huge amounts of writing, which then improves your writing ability. Everything just spin off from writing things down, which is why there's so much to find on eviltester.com. Oh, this is a great habit. And also, you know, I, I typically do something like this. And I think this is also very useful for practicing the gratitude and celebrating achievements. Because it's really important to reinforce positively what you have achieved and what you are, the efforts that you are putting into everything you do. Yep, right? yep, I think so. I know that you don't know who is going to be my next uh, guest in the podcast, but I, I'd like to ask you to think what would you ask this person if you were going to interview him or her? What would I ask someone that I don't know who is yes. coming up? <laughs> but I, I can tell you that probably is going to be a software tester. Okay. So I'm, I'm sorry. Um, now I'm on the hook because I'm trying to think, and I don't tend to ask direct questions. What I, I have to start with is what do I want to learn? And what I want to know is what is, what, is, what, what is their secret for being as productive as possible and learning as much as possible? Excellent. I will ask this question, and I think it's going to be very interesting. <laughs> Thank you so much, Alan. It was a pleasure for me to have you here in the show. A lot of very interesting things we discussed. Yeah, thanks very much. I can't believe we're finished already. The time has gone too too fast. Yeah. Of course, if I was listening on a podcast, it might seem like ages. It might have been horrible. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you, Alan. No problem. Thank you. Bye. Bye. I hope your sense for quality got better after this conversation. Thank you so much for listening and please subscribe to Quality Sense Podcast. Tell your friends, your family, your colleagues or whoever you think can benefit from listening to it. I hope to see you soon. Adios amigos.